Yeah, one last announcement. One of my favorite things every year, and this is, this is a true statement, is I, I love our year-end offerings. If you've been a part of Vintage, you know every year we take up a year-end offering, and this year is no different. I love it because we're really intentional in the context of that offering to, to focus on our primary call, right, which is to transform our community, and we do that by primarily living upward with Jesus, right? We can't make any impact apart from our relationship with Jesus by living inward in the context of living in community with one another, doing life together. And then third, recognizing our call to then live outward. And so every year we, we focus uh, on on this year-end offering in, in the context of that, that mission. And, and so this year's no different. This Every year we take up an offering and, and part of it either goes inward, outward, whatever it may be. And this year we're doing the same thing. A lot of you know that we've been moving forward, doing our due diligence, trying to work hard to secure land uh, because we believe that God has called us to do a couple of things. One, just to, to, to plant our roots long term in our community. And specifically, we, we believe that in the context of, of literally buying land and, and then building something, right? So we're not necessarily super excited about the process of building because we know that's really difficult. If you've been a part of any kind of building program, you're like, oh my gosh, building program. But we really do believe in the context of our time that God is saying, hey, I want you to plant your roots because I want to do something in you or I'm doing something in you that I want to pour out through you. And the idea is very simple. We prayed. It's been really simple and clear. Like, we really do love the church in our area. Like, right? I mean, like, I, the other churches. We are, I'm in relationship with most of the churches. I'm in relationship with most of the pastors. And, and I know what they're doing. And I know God's doing great things in them. But I know that God's doing something unique and vintage. In the context of that unique calling in our community, I recognized, in all honesty, that our community needs Vintage 242 Church. Like, I know what they're doing in other churches, and we celebrate, but what we're doing looks different. And so we want to pray for them and say, do do awesome things, right? But we also recognize God saying, I'm doing something in you. I literally sat with the pastor. This is about a year ago, and we were talking about our relationship and talking about the nature of our churches, and we still relate on a very regular basis, and we were talking about life. And he looked at me. He said, man, I I want to be around you because I want to learn how to pray and hear God like you do. And I and I sat there. We were literally at Starbucks, and I just went, whoa, right? Because it wasn't like I was going, oh, yeah, I mean, I can pray better than you. I'm better. I'm awesome, right? No, it was, oh, God, that's why we're here together. Like he needs something that I have and I have and he has something that I need. Right. And and God, I want to I want to I want to do this this thing together. And so the idea for us is we have this this vision of planting something roots long term so that God can do through us what he needs us to do in our community. So we want to plant our roots, take them deep. And we want to be established right for the purpose of God's kingdom in our community. At the same time, that so in that we recognize, man, for us to do that, we have to get into a better place financially. We've talked about this in the past. And so part of our gift this year is going to go inward for no other reason just to help us get financially established so that we can go plant our roots long term because we believe we'll have the greatest impact as a church as we do that. But the second part of that is we always want to minister outward. As we've partnered with three different ministries here in our local community that that we believe we have long-term relationship with. Number one, obviously, is FaithBridge. We've been working with FaithBridge. We do foster care through them. We're in great relationships. So we're going to take an offering and bless them. We are also working with Shepherd's Rest here in Paulding County. 
they literally take uh, they take at-risk women and children, bring them in and, and bless them. They minister to them. In fact, Josh Robertson and, and Tom Trostine went is it yesterday or yet yesterday, and they literally went to Shepherd's Rest and spent a good portion of the day just like, fixing their playgrounds for the kids, putting out mulch and just doing stuff for them. It was amazing, right? I want to continue to bless them. And the third is Cobb Street Ministries that literally takes those who, women and children who are homeless and brings them in and gives them a place to stay. And to be honest with you, man, they are like, they need all the help they can get. And we want to come alongside them because they're doing something that really nobody else is doing. And so we want to come alongside of them. And we believe this. It's real simple. We believe as we establish ourselves with deep roots in our community that it only becomes a blessing to them. That's why we're doing it. We want to be a blessing outside. And so I'm just letting you know I'm excited about this. I'm, giving, I'm asking you just to do a couple of things. Number one. Be in prayer for us about the land and that movement forward, right? That's a big task. It's out. I didn't study that in seminary, right? Acquisition of land and building. They didn't have a class on that, right? And so we have people working on that. Scott and Kelly Davis are primarily working on that, which has been great. So pray for them in that. Uh, number two, just be in prayer uh, for Vintage about these outward pieces, these ministries that we're partnering with. Please take time. I don't care if it's a minute every day to say, Jesus, move in this ministry. Jesus, provide for them. And then third, just be in prayer about how you can be a cheerful giver in the year-end offering. Like, let's just be honest. There is nothing more lame than people who give because they feel like they have to to make God happy. I mean, seriously. And there's nothing worse than people who feel like if they, that their church is making them give and like manipulating them. Can I, I mean, that's just, there's nothing worse than manipulative churches and manipulative pastors. Can I get an amen somebody? Yes, right? And so let me just say this. I'm not literally, I'm going to remind you of the offering. I'm probably not going to do the big ask and give thing. The next three weeks, I'm just going to highlight the ministries that we're partnering with. And then I'm going to say on December 15th, there's going to be an envelope, and you just give as the Lord leaves. And as you give, you give cheerfully because you recognize, Jesus, everything I have belongs to you, and I can't wait to give it cheerfully to those places that, God, you're ministering to. God, I can't wait to, to see what God's going to do in vintage. And so all I'm asking is this. You pray and say, God, what would you have me do? Above your tithes and your normal tithes and offerings. Why? Because we still have to keep the church going and lights on, right? All that kind of jazz. So above tithes and offerings separately, God, what would you have me do as a year-end offering, God, as an investment inward to the body of Christ at Vintage of what we're doing and then outward, God, of what you're doing in the context these ministries we're partnered with, okay? So that's it. Next three weeks, I'm just going to highlight those ministries we're giving outward to. And then on December 15th, then you just give as the Lord leads cheerfully because God loves our generosity. Okay? You good with that? All right, fantastic. Some of you are like, no, I hate you. Fantastic. God bless you. All right. So with that in mind this morning, if you saw the email that went out this week, I said, hey, I want to hear, we want to hear from you this morning. So if you came prepared this morning to share about how God has been moving specifically in the study of emotionally healthy spirituality, and you feel God is leading you to take two minutes or less, no more than two minutes to honor everybody else who's sharing, if that's you, I want to invite you to go ahead and come forward right now. Okay, so the, the going back to go forward piece, chapter 5, um, I experienced during 
part of it, part of, you know, like God's restoration in my family during the study, which was, and it was at Sheila's house. So. Um, and at the same time that um, another person in our small group was experiencing the fact of like coming in, you know, families coming in and, and it's obvious that God is trying to do a restoration in their family as well. I'm rejoicing in the fact of what God has given back to my family, you know, like, um, I got to go home for the first time to my parents' house in 18 years, uh, during the time. And it's so Holy Spirit. I mean, during the time that we're going, literally going like through that chapter and going through this at church with everybody and we're talking about it, that's what God was doing. I mean, Holy Spirit was seriously moving in my family, in an undeniable way, which he does all the time, but I'm just saying it was. It's, sometimes it's you know weird coincidental stuff, but um, it's just amazing, and it just always um, you know to sit at Sheila's house and come and lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus, but also to rejoice in what He is doing that is so amazingly awesome and indescribable, to where there's no explanation other than. It's him for what he did in our hearts, for what he gave back our family that the devil stole. And, it, you know, and, and I mean, I just have gotten into a place of like, I refuse to let you take anything else. Because, but God has just shown me that he'll give it all back. He's going to give it all back and he's continuing to do so. And if I thought, you know, four years ago when I came to Christ, that was the end of his blessings and everything. Totally wrong. He just blows me out of the water every day. And um, to sit at Sheila's house every single Tuesday and look forward to those two hours, three hours, four hours. Because <laughs> it was so awesome. Because I am God's favorite child, I'm just saying. So I had the best group. No offense. Anyway. But look, this is probably minute four. But seriously, um, I'm thankful for the time that we got to spend together to go through this material and uh, really just, I mean, all of us have this crazy, brokenhearted testimony. Every single one of us that were, uh, the, there are five of us. And if you got, if we told the story, you wouldn't believe it. And all rejoicing in the Lord and all knowing he's good and all, and it was just beautiful. And I'm mm-hmm. thankful to Sheila for opening her home and her heart. And to pr- she prayed over us these crazy prayers. I mean, just I mean, four-minute prayers. Like, we just sat there basking in his love, and she just laid her hands on us. She wiped away the lies that we would believe. It was it was crazy, and I'm just thankful for her, and I'm thankful to God for what he is doing in and through vintage, like, with, you know, my family and other families. Amen. Amen. All right. Simeon, thank you. I think for me, I mean, I know as our group, as we started this study, we all kind of struggled with it. And I have to say that uh, as I went through it, uh, there was so much stuff there that was kind of hard to understand. But yet the book was easy to read. And I just started feeling like things changed. And I think the thing that stuck with me the most is, you know, we carry a lot of baggage. You know, we grow up and we, we learn things from our parents. You know, we always say we don't want to grow up to be our parents, but we end up doing that. And for me, was the, the message about, you know, we do things sometimes because we don't feel like it. We just have to do it. And one of the things I've noticed as, as we went through this is I was like, okay, how is God going to work in me and what's going to happen? But I've just noticed a change in mine and Lori's relationship. I'm finding myself being more caring, more loving to her. And it's not that I feel like it. I walk in the door after a hard day at work, and I may not feel like 
giving her the hugs and the kisses and giving her the attention I need, but I'm called to love her, and I know I love her, and I can't let my emotional feelings get in the way of that. I just got to do it. And I, that, that particular message just really struck home with me that, you know, sometimes we have to do things we don't feel like, but God's telling us to do it. And what's really neat is when you start doing those things to see the change in your, in our, for us, our relationship and just our time together, you know, and we're, we're excited about kind of the season of life we're in now, you know, that being together and spending time together. So for me, that was the big thing I've seen happen awesome. for me. Cool. Thank you. Debbie? Um, okay. Uh, today, when my husband and I were coming here to church, we were reflecting that it's been a year since we've come back to Vintage. We were here before and had a journey away and came back. And uh, when we were going through the study, that same chapter of going back to go forward, um, the Lord had actually given me that word a couple years ago. So when I read that in the book, it really struck a chord in my heart because I was like, I've already heard this from you, Lord. Mm. So that was really amazing. And I was not in a good place um, a year ago emotionally. And um, just being here at Vintage for this year has been great. And then this particular study, um, I came on that Wednesday night without the intention of leading a group. And the Lord had other plans. And he had me to lead a group of women I just kind of by happenstance or his plan. And so I ended up with in this group of four or five other women, and none of us knew each other. And two, uh, two of them are new to vintage, and, you know, I was the older woman, and um, I just was incredibly blessed to walk through um, the study with them. And um, even this morning, seeing this small, intimate group, um, just speaks to us about um, how intimate God wants us to be as we grow together and encourage one another and feel safe to go to the hard places that he wants to take us through so that we can honor him and glorify him more um, with our walk. Amen. Thank you. Shields. Good morning, y'all. Um, I'm Sheila Fortier, and um, some of you I may have had the opportunity to learn from your children, and if I'm Mrs. A from them. And I say learn from them because um, it's if you do where they really want to draw even more near to the Lord, spend time, sorry, it's the plug, in the children's ministry because it's awesome back there. Kathy Cox can amen that. Uh, speaking about the EHS group, um, I love to love, and I love to love well. I love to have people in my home, and brokenness knows brokenness. So praying into that, I felt led to volunteer to host uh, a group, again, knowing that it wasn't because I had all the answers. But, you know, anytime it's like going on a have a mission opportunity or mission trip, which is every time you wake up and step, it can be your mission field can be in your own home. But you go into it willing to serve, and out of that obedience, the Lord blesses you all the more. And that's what happened with my EHS group, is that these women who I love, each of them individually, they didn't know each other really well. So it wasn't like, hey, let's keep this group and let's go do this thing together. And how God used our differences um, to 
be like holy sandpaper at times. I loved it how sometimes there would be women who would sort of get in another person's face, you know, about something. But they were doing it in a loving way. And we knew that what we had on Tuesday mornings at our lunch and learn, because we always ate, because that's really good, um, was a time for us to be safe and be vulnerable. And God did some great, cool things. And I loved how we didn't know it, but there were, as Heather was saying, commonalities within our group. I also loved how each week with the teaching, it really... Uh, allowed us to go deeper, you know, as facilitators and just hit right at home. And it's amazing to me how the Lord is so intentional with, for me specifically, the story of the Good Samaritan. I can't tell you how many times I kept hearing that over and over and over again from different sources and driving it home. It's really easy to be busy and doing good things. Um, because all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So that specifically spoke to me. And so I would just uh, say to encourage you all, um, whenever you have an opportunity to participate in something that's going on here, you know, dive right in and don't hesitate if it puts you in a position of leadership that you don't feel qualified for, because we're not. But the bottom line truth is, we've heard it a million times, but it is true with Christ, all things are possible. So open up your hearts, open up your homes, and be prepared to receive a whole lot more than you ever thought you could give. Amen. So, so good. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it so much. Okay. These are things I wrote down, almost exact quotes. Jesus' profound contemplative prayer life with his Father resulted in a contemplative presence with people. Love is to reveal the beauty of another another person to themselves. Jesus did that with every person that he met. Genuine relationships with any thou, the the it thou was really uh, meaningful to me, made me see people as as people instead of the peculiarities that bothered me about them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Genuine relationships with any Thou shows traces of the eternal thou. When genuine love is released in a relationship, God's presence is manifest. The separate space between us becomes a sacred space. And the thing that God showed me was that God didn't choose us or you for your personality. He chose you for your potential. And we all have potential. Amen. Thank you. All right. Chris, why don't you come next? Roll Tide. Uh, we we live in a we don't even go to church here, but on June 18th, I was riding my bike and I was hit by a car, and I didn't see the car until it was probably 10, 15 feet from me, and I remember thinking, this is how it ends for me. And a few moments later, I'm laying in the middle of the road and I've got multiple broken bones and uh, collapsed lung and. And out of nowhere, God said, everything's going to be just fine. And I was able to call my wife and uh, from somebody who brought a phone to me. Spent several days in a, in a hospital. And the great thing about it was it was the best day of my life because just like on the boat and the storm started coming, the, the disciples run to the front of the boat and they ask Jesus, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid we're about to perish? And before he talks to them, he looks at the, the water and says, hush and be still. 
And then he turns to them, haven't you been with me for some time, and yet you don't even know me? And in that moment, God let me know that I was basically the disciples running to the front of the boat when the car was about to hit me. I did not have faith. And then he reminded me that even though I'd been with him for a long time, that I didn't really know him. So just a moment earlier today when we came in, one of the things that the young lady that you have that uh, sings said, get to know Jesus better. My prayer for all of you here is don't, re- don't rest on thinking you know Jesus well. There is a lot more that you can know about him. Amen. Bless you. Amen. One of the things that I really took away from this study is that the meaning of the Sabbath. I've struggled for many years. I mean, I've known as a child, it's in the Ten Commandments, and, you know, but I've always struggled with our busy lives, my goodness, not enough time to squeeze everything in, always doing, working, chores, laundry, everything on the Sabbath, and I've always felt really guilty about that. Um, This showed me a new perspective, that the Sabbath is not God saying, you know, you're not doing it right. Instead, it's a gift every week to us to rest and spend time with him. And that has made a huge difference. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. Better talk quick. Morning. Um, I'm going to pick up where my friend, my brother that just sat down about there's always more. You know, God's always got more. Um, So I've been a Christian a long time, read a lot of books, a lot of stuff based on psychology and counseling because that's just kind of my thing. And, I mean, I'm um, not supposed to teach and preach, but um, I always encourage counseling in any shape, form. I see Tiffany there. Anyway, so so when the guys that Steve and Scott came up with this – we're in a small group. I'll be very honest. Some of us were kind of like, ooh, ooh, you know, just wondering what's this going to be about. But um, And it's different. The emotionally healthy spirituality, it, it's very different. Um, but I think, like my brother there said, there's, there's just always more room to look inward, um, find more stuff you need to deal with. I know that one of the most fun things and the most revealing that the small group and I, well, Claudia's in it, when it, the chapter that talked about leaking, um, that's like when God points at stuff, if, if you did the book, when he points at stuff in you and you know you got to deal with it. Um, and when we're leaking, it's like, okay, that's what you've not dealt with and that's what's coming out. Like, for example, I know for me... It's like I turned the page and it said, um, um, it, yeah, it's like passive aggressive. You take things out on other people or whatever. And it, the part about um, if you're frequently or always late. And I thought, ooh. Um, or if you're sarcastic, you know, is that you? Is that you? Um, so it really makes you take a look at yourself. Um, and also, like the lady just talked about, um, 
um, silence and solitude, the Sabbath, and particularly just during the day, you know, that the daily office thing. You know, that seems so stuffy and weird, you know, the daily office. But, you know, I just thought, okay, Franny, you know, God's got, you know, your church is doing this, so open up, open up to it. Um, and just the idea of stopping you know, even if it's for five minutes, three times a day. I mean, who doesn't have 15 minutes? We all have 24 hours. Um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, because my enemy really is the infernal to-do list. You know, women or whoever, you know, I'm just that personality type, productive, productive. So, you know, it's just so valuable just to stop and let him regroup you as the day goes on. So, anyway, it's a great series. Um, if you didn't read it, I haven't even finished it, but I've got all three books, and we're totally willing to lend it out, just bring it back. But I really encourage, you can do it on your own. Do it with a friend. It's just a great series. Amen. So, thanks. So um, I'm still part of a group where we're still going through this series. We're almost done with it. Uh, we meet every Tuesday morning. And uh, so far, the thing that's really kind of affected me the most earlier this year, my dad had an accident that nearly killed him. Uh, he fell from a height, his uh, face first, and uh, he should have been dead. And uh, the silence and solitude um, really was a lesson that made me stop and think because a lot of times you know we my, my natural defense against stress problems conflict is to avoid it to ignore it to hide from it and when I was forced to kind of sit there through this you know I realized you know one I can't run from a lot of things and it allowed me to continue to look into myself with a lot of those problems and in relation to my dad it made me realize just how important you know things like that were to me more than I had realized in the, you know, eight-some years that I've been uh, away from home. So it's, it's, the silence and solitude has been the door opener for so many other things, and that has been the largest impact for me, both emotionally, um, spiritually, and even relationally, so even like in my marriage. So. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, good. All right. Well, so this morning, as we um, as we end our time, and I thank you for guys for sharing those who shared. As we end our time, I do want to take. I'm gonna. I'll be done at 12:15 for those of you who are looking at your clock. When is we done? Okay. But I do want to end this, this study well. So Peter Scazzaro at the end of chapter four says, "When you get done with this study, he says, come back and read chapter three." Because everything in this book hinges on this one chapter. And the nature of the chapter is real simple. So we talked about, remember the arrows, we said there's the, this emotionally healthy spiritual life, right? The up arrow is this, this, these two primary pillars. Everything hinges on these two things. The contemplative life, like Franny said, slowing down to intentionally make the primary work, the primary joy of our day, slowing down to be with Jesus. Like, Everything changes when we make it the priority. Everything else in my life looks at my time with Jesus and bows down to it. 
Nothing else. Like, I don't give Jesus my leftovers. I give him the best of my time. My slowing down, my solitude, my looking to him. It is the best of my energies and the best of my time, right? It's this primary pillar, this functioning of, of reality that God wants to transform us. That's why we do. We slow down so he can transform us. How? Because when God pours out the breadth and the width and the height of his love into our lives, it changes us. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to, like, friend, he doesn't want to slow down so we can just like, mm, look at that right there, idiot. You did it again, son. No, he's like, oh, I just want to be with you. I love you. I'm going to put my finger on things because they're keeping real fullness of our relationship from happening. But, but my gosh, I just want to be with you. I want to love you. I want to, I want to be loved by you. This dynamic of relationship. And so we have to read through chapter three again, going, oh God, where am I in this contemplative life? Where am I in the context? Context of slowing down. We read this, this today. I mentioned it. Ephesians chapter one, verse eighteen. Paul says this: "I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened." I already mentioned that, right? This idea of like awareness, awakening in the context of my thought and my feeling. The idea of heart, thought and feeling. Right? You can say a lot more about it, but very simply stated, it's thought and feeling intertwined together. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And or that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And it continues to go on the eyes of our hearts. So this morning, I recognize God wants to oh, he wants to awaken the eyes of our heart, our understanding of God, our understanding of God, emotions and feelings. just like it is in every relationship that we're in. Right. This love relationship with our spouse, with our children. We feel it and we know it. He wants to awaken all of these things. He wants he, Paul prays. I just want your heart to be awakened to this. The hope of the calling, calling on one. There's two here. It means two separate things on one side. And this idea of God transforming us. One side of calling here refers to an invitation to partake in all the privileges of being part of God's family. An invitation. It's a calling. I want to invite you in. A calling. Hey, come to my house. An invitation to partake in all the privileges of being a part of God's family. Like, Paul wants their hearts to be awakened in the middle of their contemplative life of slowing down, of really experiencing seeing God to be awakened, right? To be awakened to the understanding of their hope of being invited into the family of God. The third part of it is to be awakened to the riches of his glorious inheritance. Paul wants them to live with an inner awareness, both in thought and feeling of the of this being God's child. And having received everything that belongs to him. Everything that belongs to him now belongs to us. He wants us, our hearts to be awakened. I've been invited into the family and I've also been given incredible gifts bestowed upon me. It's not just I'm part of the family with none of the blessing. It's like I'm invited into the family and then everything you see belongs to you. There's this understanding in the contemplative life, this primary pillar of having our hearts awakened to this. The third, second part of our, our calling is your, is now your call, your call to love well. That was the emotional health we said. On the, on that arrow piece, it's the, it's this horizontal part of the arrow right here. The emotional health. Yeah, what does this, what does this really mean? It simply means that God puts his finger on the obstacles in your life that keep God's love from flowing well to him and then to others. Like the reason we don't love well 
is because there are areas in our life that still need healing, still need transformation. I, you feel, I still feel like a wall in my life. I feel like there's obstacles. I feel like I'm just cold. I feel numb. That's emotional health. God putting his finger on issues. God putting his finger on these things that he wants to transform so you can love well. And the idea of loving well, yes, it's loving God, but it also means loving others, right? So we have this call, that so God wants to transform us in relationship contemplatively, right? And then he wants us to transform others, a call to transform. It's the idea of calling. So there's one part, an invitation in, but the second part of calling, you know it, it means an invitation to accept the responsibilities of a specific task. So we had this call into the family, and we had this call of God to transform others. Listen, I think Ephesians chapter 2 does a great job, and you could spend forever looking at these, these, these three verses, 8 through 10. I want you to read this along with me. It says, for it is, or just, just follow along as I read. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works. So that no one can boast. We celebrate this fact. This is the picture of God's grace. The picture of God's mercy. You, don't, you can't do anything to earn favor. You can't do anything to earn love. You can't do anything to earn salvation. You can't make it happen. You can't save yourself. It's not by your works. You can't earn anything from God. And so we got this beautiful nature of this contemplative life, relationship with him. We haven't earned it. We can't do anything to we can't do anything to make God love us more, right? We're saved by by grace through faith. It's his work, not our works. It's not this nature of works that we can do. So right? This is God but but it says in verse in verse nine verse ten, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So 8 and 9, God saved us, not our works. God did the work. We received it. He transformed us because he loves us. But verse 10 is really clear. But now that we're in the family, God now has works, good works for us to do. Those works don't earn us anything. It's just the call of God. Right? It's the loving neighbor. It's the we're transformed, praise God, to bring transformation I'm not, I'm brought into the family, not by my works, but then God has works for us to do. And here's the point. Do you know what the works are? Like, guys, you remember, at least my dad couldn't do this because he can work on a car. God love him. But, but you know those, those dads who work on cars? And what do they do to their son or their daughter? Hey, won't you come work on the car with me? All right? Won't you come work on the car with me, right? Or, hey, I'm going to, it's time for you to learn how to clean your own clothes. All right? So I'm going to do this with you. You come in, I'm going to show you how to wash your own clothes. The idea is this. You never serve Jesus. You only serve with him. Because everything that God calls us to do as a work, he's already doing. He's over here doing a work. We come into the family. He says, and he goes, oh, and he goes, hey, I'm over here working on this. Will you come and do this work with me? Right? We never work alone. We're always working with him. That's why it says we co-labor with him. He's laboring. He's doing the work. And so the picture here is that we are transformed to bring transformation. We are blessed. Genesis 12, the covenant with Abraham. We are blessed 
to be a blessing. We are loved so that we can love. We have been served by God so that we can serve with God. The nature of the kingdom is that we are blessed. We can give away. And the nature is because he always gives us more than we need. That's this nature. So contemplative life, we're saved by God. He loves us. Now we have a relationship with him. And we can't earn anything more. Can't earn greater affection. We can't earn greater love. We can't earn a greater place in heaven. And now we also have this call to love neighbors. So God's getting things out of the way in our lives, bringing healing and restoration so we can love well. Because we've been called to transform We have been transformed to bring transformation to pillars, contemplative life, emotional health, loving God, loving neighbor. That's chapter three in a nutshell, but you have to read it again. You have to read it again for yourself. And in all of this, and I want you to hear these two things and then we're going to pray. We cannot get lost in selfishness. We cannot get lost in the selfishness of God loving us and transforming us and focusing on nothing else. Like, if you do you know people? Like, I literally, I was in a conversation with someone last week who got offended that I said that Jesus loves the body of Christ, or more, Jesus is more interested in the work of the body of Christ than he is the work of the individual. That God is more invested into the church than his individual. That God's not going to do something for the individual that hurts the church as the whole, right? Church comes first before the individual. God has a unique way of doing all of that at the same time. You know what I'm getting at, right? And she got offended. She's like, because, because, God, because I'm God's favorite. God loves me. God wouldn't do anything to, right? You should, like, she, like me, this whole selfish nature of relationship with God that she didn't want to share Jesus with anybody. Because it was just me and Jesus. And I looked at her and I said, well, that's really selfish and you've got issues. She's like, what? I said, I love you. No, we had this long conversation. It was great. We kind of talked about some of the things that God was doing in our life. But, but the idea is this. We cannot get lost in the context of emotionally healthy spirituality. It's very easy to get lost in just what God's doing in me. And focusing on me and just living in self-awareness and just talking about me and being aware of my issues and my brokenness and my anger and my my tensions rather than saying, God, I'm aware of my stuff to submit to you because you're Lord, because I only want to look at you primarily. That's the nature of the study, right? I can I look to Jesus, let him love me so because I recognize because I've been called to think outside of myself and look to where God is serving others. It is the tension in the midst of counseling. Every good counselor has to deal with that. How do I not get someone so focused on stuff that all they can do is think about themselves? They have to recognize the inner working of what's happening here because they have to be a good, they have to be in good standing with the community. They have to be able to love others well. And it's a long journey for some people. So we have to stand on these points. Contemplative, God transforming us, relationship with him for the purpose then of loving others. He loves us to love others. He blesses us to bless others. He transforms us to transform others. And we live. And here's what it looks like. So, so you say, Steve, I go to the book and the study and then I'm good. Not gonna, no, it's this nature of I'm continually God working on me and loving others. God working on me and loving others. 
It's not I've done all my work and now I go do this. No, it's I continually return. Why? Because I'm always in need of God's transformation. I'm always in need of God's love. I'm always in need of God working and transforming and challenging and shaping, right? It's the nature of these pieces. And I'm always giving away. So I receive, then I give, receive, then I give. That's the nature of the study. Two pillars. Focus on them. The question is we end our morning and then harvest. You can go ahead and come and, and Timothy. I, I just... As we end our study, recognizing we've really just begun the journey of emotionally healthy spirituality. Like we're just beginning. We've literally said, oh, here's some arrows in your quiver to understand now your journey with God. So silence and solitude, these are, now, these are arrows in the quiver, right? The rule of life, creating practices that really enhance your relationship with Jesus, putting some arrows in, in the quiver. We've talked about these issues in life that you face, right? Suffering and grief, hitting the, going the journey through the wall, right? The dark night of the soul. We, we, we've talked about all these different pieces that we wrestle with. And now we've highlighted them saying, now I have language to process. I have language to understand this emotionally healthy life that God doesn't want me to just remain broken, but he wants to bring healing and restoration and bring wholeness into my life just begun a journey and we can't shirk our duty a duty of saying God I don't want to live in brokenness but I want to submit myself to you Romans 12 one is a living sacrifice holy and pleasing in your sight take me all that I am so Jesus as we pray this morning and worship to end I I do pray, God, that you just awaken our awareness, God, of where we are, of our relationship with you. Where have you put your finger that we haven't taken steps that we know we need to because we know it's going to produce life? I pray, Father, that things have been very clear to us in the last two months that maybe have grown dim, that, Lord, you would make them shine bright again so we'd know the steps that you're calling us to take. I pray for those, God, who are still in this broken place, still in a place of numbness, still in this place. Maybe now I've gotten to frustration saying, well, I've kind of I've read the book and done the study. And I don't feel like I'm any further. I pray, God, that you would speak to them now about being a good father who loves them and who is moving and stirring if they will submit themselves to you. I pray, Father, for those who are wrestling, God, in their contemplative life of slowing down to be with Jesus, who expect, because they've read a book, for things to get better, but they haven't really changed their life. They haven't done the difficult work, Lord, of really submitting themselves to you in their time and their energies and their schedules. And they feel like they've read a book and they understand, but they're still dying because they haven't taken those steps. I pray, God, they would take those steps. I pray, God, that you would say, hey, I can only do so much for you. You have to take steps yourself, son. You have to take steps yourself. Arise and shine. Arise, shine. Arise. And I will shine on you. Do your part. Move forward. So Jesus, I pray grace this morning. Each person, whatever you have for them this morning, God, if you would speak that into them. Pray, God, you would help us to end well and to launch from here well in the context of emotionally healthy spirituality. Thank you, Jesus. This morning as we end our time, our offering baskets are here. This is always an expression of worship. Jesus, everything that I have belongs to you, and I'll worship you, God, by being obedient to give what you've given to me, to those who are in need, kingdom work that we're doing here at Vintage.
communion on, communion right here, just on this side. Communion right here on this side. This is a celebrating and remembering the work of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, his body broken and his blood poured out. As we remember, we recognize his body and his blood, the grace of Jesus. It's not just an act from the past, but it's something as we partake today, we remember and are reminded that it's still active and living today. Ministry teams will be on both sides. Whatever you need prayer for, to give your life to Jesus today because you don't know him, they'd love to pray for you that. If you just want healing, prayer for anything, or just want someone to come alongside of you and pray, they'd love to pray for you. You respond as the Lord leads. We're going to worship for a while. I'll come back up here and close this out. If you need to go, obviously you can do that. We love Jesus. We want him to be glorified. And we love you. We want you to know him. Be blessed today.